Before we get started, I want to let you know something. I want to let you know that I originally was going to preach on Joseph. That's why your bulletin says Matthew 1. But I changed my mind. And we're going to hear a little bit about Mary this morning. So our New Testament reading is actually going to be in Luke chapter 1. So if you've already turned to Matthew chapter 1, just turn over a few pages to Luke chapter 1. We will, however, still be in Isaiah 7. This is the fourth week of Advent. We have four lit candles as light has come into the world. We've spent this this time looking at the promises of God and how those promises are fulfilled in the arrival of our Savior. The first week, we, we looked at God's promise of hope and how that hope entered into the world in, the, in a person, how it entered into the world as Jesus Christ and how Jesus meets our deepest longings and is the hope not only of our present but also of our future. The second week, we looked at the, the promise of peace The peace that was proclaimed to these shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Peace that that came not through the removal of conflict, but peace that came by the arrival of Jesus and the opportunity that that has for us to have relationship with God through Him. But also the, the declaration of a of a new government, of a new way of doing things to bring peace into the world. Last week we looked at joy, at the joy that we experience when, when we have that relationship with God, but also joy that is there for us to give, to, to visit upon other people. And today we are looking at the promise of love. Love that was born into this world as a baby in a manger. You know, there is this symbol, this depiction of love coming into the world that we see all the time this time of year. You might have one or more of them in your own home. You might have one of them in your yard. There's one right over here. There's one... Up there on the screen, there's one over in the Memorial Park. We're talking about nativity scenes. The word nativity simply means birth. It's a birth scene. Well, I think more often than not, they are post-birth scenes. In my own obviously limited experience, birth scenes are not quite so peaceful as many of our nativity scenes show us. You know, often we see, we see Mary and we see Joseph, we see the baby Jesus. Sometimes we see wise men, sometimes we see shepherds, all of whom placing their eyes on a manger that holds a baby that is the creator of the universe. They're a representation of a birth announcement. 
because Jesus' birth was announced. And it was announced starting hundreds of years before his birth up through the day of his birth. So we will, like I said, be in Isaiah chapter 7 and then in Luke chapter 1. Will you stand with me as we read God's word together? We're simply going to read one verse from Isaiah chapter 7. It's, it's part of a larger prophecy about the coming of Jesus, but, but we're just going to read verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, a virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Now we turn over to Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be born, called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God. Read it. Believe it. And live it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, may we hear the announcement of your arrival this morning. May we share in the anticipation knowing that you are coming again. May we, like Mary, be ready to step in to the disruptions that you are causing in our life. And so God, as we turn to your word to, to study it this morning, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our God and our King. Amen. You may be seated. So there's this thing that has happened a lot. I don't remember it from even 10 or 15 years ago, but it seems to be getting bigger and bigger and grander and grander, and I think to a certain extent it's driven by social media, and this is overly elaborate pregnancy announcements and gender reveals. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They, they've gotten a little out of control. I was reading something recently that said that there have been some gender reveal parties that have cost upwards of $10,000. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm fairly certain our entire wedding cost less than that. And that was a much bigger party. People take pictures, they buy pink or blue cakes, they do all of this sort of stuff. I think it was either last year or year before last, there was a gentleman out in California who thought that it would be a wise idea to use explosives. Caused a fire that burned hundreds of thousands of acres and killed people. You know, a little over a year ago, we found ourselves in a relatively similar position. We were expecting. We knew that a baby was coming. We were coming up on Christmas and we were through the first trimester. We knew that it was coming to the point that even with our concern and trepidation, that we were getting to the point where it would be comfortable for us to start telling more and more people that we were expecting. We didn't want to do a gender reveal. As many of you know, we did not find out the sex of the baby before he arrived. So a gender reveal was out, but we did want to do a pregnancy announcement. We wanted to share with folks that we were expecting. We wanted to, to share with folks the, the hope and the joy the peace, the love that we were experiencing. We had a very uh, laid out plan. We were going to announce it on a Sunday morning and then have posts prepared on social media for them to be posted at the end of the service. But last Christmas, last Advent, we weren't able to gather for worship. And so sort of on the spur of the moment, I think on like a Wednesday or a Thursday, we decided over lunch, ah, let's go ahead and do it. And so we took a picture of our mantle with Audrey's stocking and my stocking and little itty bitty stocking in between. And we shared that, that joy. That's how most of you found out that we were expecting. But why? Why go to all the trouble? Why even go to the trouble of taking a picture? Why go to the trouble of going to the store and buying an itty-bitty stocking? Why make a post? Why try and do something that was at least a little fun and a little creative? It's because we were excited. It's because we were happy. And it's because we were getting ready for something and we wanted to share in that with others. See, that's who we are as people. As human beings, we prepare for the birth of something new. We, we prepare for the birth of something new. Whether it's a, a child or a house or a job or when something new comes along in life, right? We want to prepare for it and we get excited about it and we want to share it and announce it to other people. I've reached that time in my life where not only is my social media feed 
filled with birth announcements and pregnancy announcements, but increasingly filled with announcements of bought our first home. Because we want to share and we prepare. See, the, the reason that the, that the birth of Jesus was so significant is not because it's a birth that happened one day long ago. But it's because it was about God's desire for each of us to be in Christ. For each of us to have, have Christ be born within each of us, even today. Because this is the way that God has chosen to reveal His love to the world. That's what He's doing in Isaiah. Is He's beginning to prepare the people for something new. He wants to see something new born in us and He wants to prepare us for it. We see it in Isaiah, but we see it in, in, in Jeremiah and in Micah. It's a promise. It's a promise to His people. And promises help us prepare. See, there was a year ago, there was a promise that in June, a little person was going to come into the world. And it, it helped us prepare. It helped us prepare the nursery. It, it helped us apply a little pressure to my dad to finally build that nursery furniture he had been talking about building. It helped us prepare as we gathered what we were going to need for this little person. And, oh my goodness, is there so much stuff that they need? And then there's stuff you don't even know they need until someone gives it to you. And then you're like, how did I not know that they needed this? Let me tell you, if you had asked me seven months ago, is a bottle warmer a necessity? My response to you would have been, no. There's hot water that comes out of the tap and it's good enough. I am wrong. Bottle warmers are so necessity, so much of a necessity that even though we left one at our friend's house yesterday, we got one coming in the mail on Tuesday because they're that needed. And when we get the one back, We'll have two, and that will be wonderful, because if one goes out, we'll still have one. Here in Isaiah, we see him making this promise. We see him saying that there's a sign that's going to be given to God's people to let them know that this promise has been fulfilled. That God's people have not been forgotten, and they're sinful and broken states. That even in the midst of turmoil and exile and, and pressure from without and godlessness and idolatry from within, even in the midst of all of that, even in the midst of feeling abandoned, God had not forgotten them. Instead, Isaiah says, the time is going to come and you are going to see a virgin. And she's going to give birth to a child. And in that, you are going to see the tangible love of God coming into the world 
to rescue all of us. This instruction, this, this promise from Isaiah is telling the people to be prepared. To be prepared for this revelation of God's love. To live their life with expectancy that God is going to come to us. That is going to be the child's name. Emmanuel. God with us. God is coming, y'all. That's how Isaiah would have said it if he had been from Fairmont. Make space in your life for Him. Make room for the birth of the work that God is going to do within you. Right now. Even before the baby comes. You know, there are two different accounts of the birth of Jesus in the New Testament. There's, there's the account that we find in Matthew, and there's the account that we find in Luke. They each give us different details of the birth. Their focuses are different. Matthew's focus is primarily on Joseph. How does Joseph respond when he finds out that Mary is pregnant? How does Joseph respond when the angel comes to him? How does Joseph respond when the angel comes to him again and tells him that King Herod is after them? But Luke focuses on Mary. Luke focuses on Mary. But see, both Matthew and Luke agree on a central, important element. That is that Mary and Joseph were to be married, but were not yet married and that Mary was a virgin. And so the angel shows and brings this announcement, brings it to Joseph and brings it to Mary. And I'm going to guess that it was kind of hard to process. Because even when you're expecting a little one, even when, even when you've been doing all the things that you do to get a little one to come into the world, when, when you find out that one's coming, there's a lot to process. Particularly when your wife looks at you at across from a table in Disney World and says, um, I think it's a strange place to process that you're about to have a baby. Right there in Animal Kingdom. It's a lot to process. How much more is it to process for Mary and Joseph? You know, I, I got to think about what, what running through Mary's brain. What? What? What do you mean that I'm going to become pregnant? What do you mean? I, that's not possible. What do you mean that this child, that, that you've told me what I'm going to name him, this child, Jesus, is going to be the son of the Most High, is going to be the king that's going to rule over all of this? It was a disruption. It was a disruption in Mary's life. It was a disruption in Joseph's life. That's what angels do when they show up in Scripture. When angels show up in Scripture, they disrupt things. Angels show up in Scripture and they disrupt things because angels are God's messengers. And when God shows up, He disrupts things. When God shows up, our lives are disrupted. 
You know, Mary's life is moving now in a direction that she never have could have seen coming. You know, there, I, I don't think that there are a lot of little girls that, that as, they're, as they're growing up, think to themselves, Mommy, you know what I want to be when I grow up? I want to be a vessel for the arrival of the Messiah. No, Mary's hopes and dreams were, were a lot more mundane. A lot more normal. She wanted to marry a good man with a good job who would love and support her and have a family. The normal dreams, right? But man, those normal, good dreams, that's a, that's a good thing to want. To want to marry a good man who will love you and support you and have a family, that's good. And yet God disrupts it. God shows up and the plans get disruptive. No, guess what, Mary? You've been chosen. You have been chosen by God, no less, to bear, carry, give birth to, and raise the Savior of the whole world. Hey, Mary, you know those promises that God made to Noah and to Abraham and to Moses, to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and all the other prophets? Those promises are all about to come true through you. You know, Joseph gets disrupted too. You're a man, a good man with a good job, who wants to marry a woman and love and support her and have a family, and all of a sudden she turns up pregnant and you know it's not yours. Then an angel comes and says, it's okay. But it's still a disruption. You know, Herod is disrupted in this story. We read in Matthew, Herod's, he's the king, man. He's in control. It's good to be the king. Yet the baby shows up who's the son of God, the king of kings, and all worldly kings and kingdoms will pass away. It's a disruption to Herod. The magi are disrupted. They're studying somewhere in the east and they see a star in the heavens and they know what it means and they travel The shepherds are keeping watch over their flocks by night as they do. It's important that the Scripture tells us that they're doing what they do and they're disrupted because the angels show up. I believe there are two choices that any person can make when it comes to a disruption within their life. They can either avoid the disruption or they can embrace it. They can either run from it or roll with it. I also believe that when God is trying to to bring something new within us, to to, to bring something new out of us, it will always feel confusing and hard and exciting and inexplicable and uncontrollable. And so when it happens, when you're feeling all of those things, What are you going to do? Are you going to avoid it? Are you going to run from it? Are you going to embrace it? Maybe this morning, you're joining us this morning and and you're wrestling with a disruption in your own life. Maybe there's a new job and you're not sure what to do about it. 
Maybe you've experienced a loss of some kind that's brought you a great deal of pain. Maybe there's a sin in your life that's finally been found out by those around you. Maybe you have a relationship that's hit a dead end. Maybe it's a need that you see around you that you just can't get off of your mind. Whatever it is, there's a disruption in your life. Brothers and sisters, that disruption may be God's grace and love bringing forth something new in your life. We are masters at avoiding disruption. Some of them, sometimes we spend years avoiding a disruption. A disruption that God is trying to use within us to create something new. My prayer would be that, that today we would be a people who would stop avoiding and stop being scared of disruptions that God can use and experience Him. To experience Him create something new in us. Like Mary and Joseph, God is wanting to do something new through our lives that will change the world. And we have a choice in how we are going to respond. How does Mary, Mary respond? Well, she starts out by asking a question, a very normal, very reasonable question. How can this be? How can this be? There's no way. There is no way that I'm going to have a baby. How can that be? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. She asks, how will it be? There, there's no natural way that God's going to bring about what has just been promised to her. There can't be a new birth. It's not humanly possible. And she's right. It's not humanly possible. It's a work of God. See, Mary is offering what we might call a new birth excuse. A new birth excuse. We all have new birth excuses. These are the, these are the reasons that we have why God cannot do a new work in us, with us, and through us. You hear these excuses all of the time. There's no way there's no way that God can save my marriage. It is, it's too far gone. There's no way that God can love me. I have made too many mistakes. There's no way that, that relationship with my son or my daughter or with my mom or my dad can ever be restored. Too much damage has been done. That bridge is burned. There's no going back. I'll never be able to get clean and stay sober. The temptation of addiction is just too strong. We all have excuses on why we can't experience new birth. And like Mary, we point out how from a human perspective it doesn't make sense for God to be able to do this work in us. But how does the 
How does the angel respond? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. See, Mary, what's impossible through man is possible with God. What's happening here, Mary, is not the work of men. What's happening here is the work of God. You know, oftentimes those excuses that we give are correct. Man, there is too much water under the bridge. That relationship can't be healed. Oh, man, your debts are, are too high. There's no way you're ever going to pay them off. The, the power that that sin has in your life is too strong. You're never going to be able to get rid of it. And that's true. You can't. Not on your own. Not through human power. I don't know if y'all remember, we've, we've talked about the three circles before, this, this tool that we have to explain, talk about, and present the gospel. The, the second circle is a circle that we label brokenness. To talk about the, the brokenness that we experience in our lives as a result of the Sin that's in the world. And, and, and if you remember, if you think in your head the three circles, and there are all those squiggly lines that come off of that, that second circle. And all those squiggly lines are all the ways that we try and fix and heal and restore the brokenness that we are experiencing. And each of those squiggly lines leads us out from the brokenness and dead ends because we can't do it. Only God can do it. For God, what? So loved the world. Only God can do it. He does it through His love. He does it by His love. He does it because of His love. He sends His Son into the world so that we won't perish, so that we won't experience brokenness, so that we won't continue to live there, but that we can have eternal life. This this birth, this birth scene changed the world. It's still changing the world because the same Spirit of God that overshadowed Mary is the same Spirit of God that can overshadow you. God wants you to experience new birth. He wants you to experience something new inside of you, within you. And it's not about your ability or your effort or your qualifications or your track record or your status. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about Him. It's about seeing the disruption that God has allowed or brought into your life as an act of love and as something to be embraced rather then avoid it. How does Mary respond? How does Mary embrace? Verse 38, See, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. Mary's response is to surrender. To open herself up to God and to whatever God wants to do within her life. All the questions aren't answered yet. 
But she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. May it happen to me, as you said. Something amazing happens when we finally surrender to God. When we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in and through us. When we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in and through us. You know, we don't like this idea of submission. We rebel against it. We think that it's a show of weakness to submit to other people. It is. It is a show of weakness to submit to others. But brothers and sisters, in the face of an almighty, all-powerful God, you are weak. We're told over and over and over again in our culture not to submit, not to be formed by anything, not to, not to let anything bigger than ourselves control us. Be your own person. Live your life. Chase your bliss. It's called expressive individualism. But our call is to submit to God. And our ability to submit to God has everything to do with what we perceive to be our biggest need. I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with uh, the author and pastor Max Licato, but he, he, he phrased it this way. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our biggest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If it had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If it had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our biggest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a Savior. The world's greatest need was the love and grace of God. And so Mary willingly takes on the disruption to her life that giving birth to the Savior of the world would require. She submits her will to the will of God. I believe that the new work that God wants to do in our lives is not only good news for us, I believe it can be good news for others as well. This season, we have an opportunity to join together as Christians, as a church, and to allow the birth of Jesus to move us to be part of a new birth within our community. It's an opportunity for us to reflect and consider the ways that we could do something new to give love to others. Maybe it's finding a local family to buy gifts for as an extension of generosity and love. Maybe it's finding that, that neighbor in your, on your street who's going to be alone on Christmas and inviting them to come over for dinner. Maybe it's beginning new family Christmas traditions that puts Jesus first. This is what happens when we believe the good news of Jesus' birth is more than just a historical fact, but also as a promise that affects our presence. Our lives can be changed and in doing so, we can have an internal impact on the lives of those around us.
And so, my final prayer for us before the arrival of Jesus is this. May we be a people who, like Mary, who, like Joseph, are eager to say, may your will be fulfilled in my life. God, I'm going to take the disruptions that come and I'm going to embrace them and I'm going to do whatever it is that you want me to do. And in fact, God, I want you to do ever to do whatever it is you want to do in me. So this Christmas, as we drink eggnog and cocoa and sing songs and watch movies, which, by the way, we haven't watched White Christmas yet. You've got to do that this week. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the things that we don't want disrupted, embrace the disruptions and submit to God. Our hymn of invitation today is going to be hymn number 91.